So we're going to do the um, the outreaches for everyone outline. You guys see that? All right. So um, it was 16th and Hawk. Last, when was I, did I preach? Was it two weeks ago? Yeah. I, I had it. And I told, so I remember, I, I think I said in there, I, I remember it, but the, over those two weeks gone, that's what happens. It turned into 15th, 14th and Falcon. <laughs> by, by next year, it'll be one and Canary, but I don't know. It's just going to degenerate. Just, just gonna, yeah, yeah, it's just going to degenerate. Um, all right. Um, Outreaches for everyone. Do you? Oh, good. You guys have that quote in Mark twelve. Um, well, let me start by saying this: evangelism um, is is the one area of the Christian life that can get you persecuted, can bring ridicule, and it's and harassment. It's a scary. This is the evangelism is the hardest area to obey God in the Christian life. I'm I'm convinced of that. Um, and it's just it's just scary. Um, one of the pastors um, in our church, well, Joel Shorey, who planted the church down in, in Delaware, New York, Delaware, um, he tells a story where he, he used to work at a Starbucks and he got to know a couple guys. And um, he started having some great conversations with these guys about Christ and about the gospel and, and was in these conversations. And there was an older guy that was friends with them that wasn't there for you know, these conversations, these kind of gospel conversations. Well, in like the third conversation, they were just again in a coffee shop. Note no the theme of coffee shops. Um, he's there, and this, 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 this third guy, this older guy, came in and sat down, and Joel starts, they started having this conversation again all about the gospel. And he could tell this guy was getting agitated and was, was upset, and Joel kind of didn't know what to do, but he kind of kept going. And finally, the guy pushes his chair back and says, I'm tired of BS, and just goes off his cursing, dropping F-bombs. The whole restaurant, I mean, the whole Starbucks is like turns toward this guy. And then this guy kind of storms, you know, his other friends are trying to calm down. The guy just the guy just storms out. Um, it's crazy. And, and I've experienced not that bad, but I have been yelled at. Um, I've had people with their finger in my face. I'm, I'm sure Eric and Mark are probably laughing. They probably experience this all the time. Um, my one grandfather, um, my brother and I have a twin brother. When we got saved, we we got saved at 19 years old. We came uh, born into a good Irish Catholic family, then raised Episcopalian. And so my one grandfather was Episcopalian. We used to get into all these arguments and these debates. And, and my brother and I like a you know like a double barrel shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> And he loved kind of these arguments. And there was another grandfather that we would, you know, just, he just, we would try. And even there, we were not being obnoxious. Even we would try to say, and he would get so mad, he'd say, my mother was a religious woman, and you can't tell me. And he, you know, it was just, just, just volatile. And, and sometimes that's going to happen in evangelism. And that's why I put Mark 12 down, because it reminds me of this, um, 
where it says, and he, Jesus, began to speak to them in parables. And he said, a man planted a vineyard to put a fence around it and dug a pit for the wine press and built a tower and leased it to the tenants and went into another country. When the season came, he sent a servant to the tenants to get from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent to them another servant and they struck him on the head and treated him shamefully. And he sent another and him they killed. And so with many others, some they beat and some they killed. He had still one other, a beloved son. Finally, he said, he sent him to them saying, they will respect my son. But those tenants said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and the inheritance will be ours. And they took him and killed him and threw him out of the vineyard. This, this is what it's like. This is what it can feel like in evangelism. In today's society, people wrongly assume they're the landowners. They get to decide what they want to do, how they're going to live. They've made themselves the king. And then we come to them on behalf of the true king. We come as messengers of God, as his representatives. And there are times when we are not welcome. There are times when we invite scorn and mockery and even persecution. Rico Tyson, his book, Honest Evangelism, he talks about this pain line in evangelism. I think this is a good illustration. This, this pain line that... If we talk to people about Jesus, we have to cross this line because at some point we're going to get hurt. At some point, we're going to experience this this pain. Some people will be hostile and offended. And the gospel will sever some relationships. And this shouldn't really surprise us. I mean, think about how provocative our beliefs are. We believe that God created the heavens and the earth, that he is king over all. We believe that everyone is depraved and sinful and wicked and headed to hell, and we all deserve it. We believe that Jesus' death on the cross is the exclusive way to eternal life. So we have to understand, Christians are not going to win any popularity contests. In fact, Christians are more unpopular than ever before. And what we believe is not only mocked, it's considered hateful, and in some cases I think it's even considered criminal. There was a pastor in Atlanta uh, about, I think it was a year ago, um, he was a bivocational pastor. So he was, do you have bivocational pastors? Say any bivocational? Who raised the guys? Okay. So bivocational. So he's got two jobs. He's a pastor and he also has his regular job. Um, so this is a bivocational pastor and in his secular job, his regular job, they found out that he was a pastor. They went online and listened to his sermons. He's preaching exactly what we're preaching. They found out what he was preaching and they fired him because of that. Because of what he did in his church and what how he preached in his church. They fired him from his other job. Now, maybe you have tried to share your faith in the past. Maybe it didn't go so well. Maybe you've experienced somebody that maybe mocked you or rejected you. That's hard because we don't like to get hurt. And, and if we do get hurt, we usually assume that something must be wrong. So we stop. Right? Nobody likes pain. We generally try to avoid pain. That's why why people don't go to the dentist. I actually have two relatives in my family, men of course, who do not go to the dentist. And one of them, literally, his tooth, his front tooth, 
is like would be flapping around, and we're like, like, why? Because he sees that pain line, and he says, "No, thank you." And his tooth is fine. Thank God it fell out about a couple years ago. <laughs> the most distracting thing I've ever seen in my life. Um, people see pain and they say, no thanks. I'm, I'm going to stay away from that. And it's very easy to assume that if we experience pain, we're doing something wrong. You did something wrong. If doing evangelism keeps getting you hit, Metaphorically, then you're going to stop doing it. You're just well, listen, I just need to quietly go about my business and keep things to myself. Or, listen, maybe you understand full well that if you tell Christians about Jesus, it might be painful. I mean, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. From the same way they persecuted the prophets who went before you. Jesus seemed to understand that we were going to get hit. He's preparing us to get hit. And I love that because he says, blessed are you if they persecute you, insult you. You're blessed by God. This is why evangelism, in a sense, is fail-proof. Because there's only three things that you can do. Right? You share the gospel and let's say, it's, you know, they don't get saved, but it plants a seed. Well, that's success if you planted a seed. Or you share the gospel and they get saved. That's certainly successful. Or you share the gospel and they persecute you or insult you. Well, Jesus says you're blessed. That's success. Jesus says if you are willing to risk your reputation and share the good news with them and they reject you, your reward is in heaven. <coughs> So really, the only way you can fail, and this is Mark Cahill. Remember this in Mark Cahill's book, Eric? Mark Cahill taught us this. He said, the only way you can fail is to not do anything. That's the only way you can fail. If you do something, and you seek to share the gospel, you're successful in God's eyes, and you're, and you're blessed. So that's, and Jesus knew this. That's why he's preparing us. In Luke 10, remember when Jesus sends out the 72? Not the twelve. So in Luke 9, Jesus sends out, first he sends out the twelve disciples to go share the gospel and heal the sick. And then in the next chapter, in Luke 10, he sends out the 72. And what does he say? I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Now that has to be the worst pep talk in the history <laughs> of sports. <laughs> Seriously. Like, think about when, you know, they're all kind of gathered around, all the 72, okay, everybody get in here. Get a hand in here. Jesus in the middle like, everybody starts, okay, guys, ready. On the count of three, sheep of my walls. One, two, three, sheep of my walls. Sheep of my walls, yeah. Sheep of my walls. Sheep, sheep of my walls. Oh, wait. <laughs> We're the sheep. Sheep among wolves is a terrible. I once did this thing on this. I researched. It's like sheep have eight teeth. Wolves have like forty-two. A sheep's top speed is like twenty-five miles. A sheep, a wolf is like forty-five. You know, it was like crazy. Like it is terrible odds. Like we're going to get killed. That was basically what Jesus was saying. So listen, he understands that this is going to happen. This shouldn't surprise us, right? 
He's preparing us for this. It's, I don't know if you ever heard this, but they um, they would have these annual matches between boxers and like black belts in karate. Um, so they'd have little matches. Do you know who wins those matches? Who do you think is going to win those matches? Or the black belts? Black belts. Boxers win every time. Boxers never lose. You know why? Because the boxers know how to take a punch. In karate, I'm not going to demonstrate on you. When in karate, when you're in a karate tournament, you don't hit somebody that's big. You have to pull the punch, and that's a, that's a strike. You don't. You, you have to be in control, and you're blocking, and then and then you're striking for these punches. But you can't hit them. You have to pull that punch. If you hit them, you're out of control. You lose a point. Boxers are getting hit day and night. So when that boxer hits that karate guy's in, and he hits that one shot, boom, and hits him in the nose, he doesn't know what to do with that. He's not used to getting hit. Guys, we have to be able to take a hit. If we're going to reach out to people with the gospel, you're going to get hit. And so we got to be like those boxers who say, oh yeah, yeah, I've been hit. My identity's in Christ. I'm secure in Christ. God's blessed me. I'm blessed. Whenever they hit you, they're blessing you, actually. But we have to be able to, to take a hit. And, and we have to be able to overcome our fear of getting hit. I think that's what's locking us up a lot. And how do we do this? So, so let's look at those points there. First is called to evangelism. Um, maybe you know, and even the people in your community groups and others, know that they're called to reach out. But you just don't think that it's worth it. You see this pain line and you're not willing to cross it, just like my relatives and the dentist. You know, when you think of evangelism, you think, "Ah, yeah, it's just not worth it. Or maybe you think you have to be a certain type of person to cross the pain line. You have to have certain gifts, a certain personality, a certain amount of boldness to do evangelism. That's why it's best to leave evangelism to the ultra-aggressive Somewhat obnoxious Marine Corps Rambo types. What's that? You said Marine Corps. Marine Corps. Oh, like Eric Strom and Mark. Like we we just we just these people are good at taking hits, right? Rambo. He that that was Rocky. He was great at taking hits. He's made. 18 movies about getting beat up and at the last second winning. Most of the movie is about him getting punched. He's great at doing that. So, so you just think, okay, well, well, you know, maybe we should just leave it to those guys, right? Leave it. There's those guys, or or, or maybe you feel like, maybe you feel like you don't have the gift of evangelism. And I want to speak to this for a second because I think this is important. I have been trying to train people on evangelism for years, decades. Um, and I always have people say this, well, I, I just don't, I don't have the gift of evangelism. <laughs> I have the gift of hospitality. I don't know why it's always hospitality. So they just say, I can't share the gospel. I can just make muffins. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. You know, but what they're assuming there, now let's, let's play this out a little bit. Some people are gifted to do evangelism and some are not. I would like to be able to do that. I would like to have that personality and those gifts, but I don't. I'm sorry. So I'll just bake cookies. Okay? They contrast this, which is, which is kind of funny the way they do that. Um, but, but some people, and these are people in your groups, in your community, your care groups, think that in order to do evangelism, you have to be gifted 
that way or made that way, like the way God made or gifted Michael Jordan to play basketball. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that some people aren't more effective than others because some people are. What I am saying is that we're all called to it. A better way of looking at evangelism is as a spiritual discipline. Okay? Donald Whitney devotes a whole chapter to evangelism as one of the spiritual disciplines in his book, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life. He says, that's why I say evangelism is a spiritual discipline. Unless we discipline ourselves for evangelism, it's very easy to excuse ourselves from ever sharing the gospel with anyone. So we need to take it out of the spiritual gift, Jordan. Now, the Bible doesn't even say the gift of evangelism. It says the gift of an evangelist, Ephesians 4, which is somebody that equips others for evangelism. Not everybody's called to do that. That's what I'm seeking to do. So that's a gift. But you never see in Scripture the gift of evangelism because it's assumed that we are all called to share the gospel. So a better way to understand evangelism is not as a gift, but as a spiritual discipline. So take it out of the gift drawer and you put it in the spiritual discipline drawer. Well, what does that do? Well, spiritual discipline is something we have to work at. Something we have to grow in. Something that we are accountable to others for. Um, and I think that's a great way. Um, that's a great way for us to, to view that. You'd never hear someone say, as a Christian, "Well, I'm not gifted in reading the Bible. I'll just leave that to the intellectuals." No, we all know, right? As believers, we're all called to read and study the Bible, even if at first we're not good at it. It's the same in evangelism. It's something we have to work at, something we have to learn how to do, and it's something we need help and and accountability in. I find that evangelism is such an easy thing to let slip. We, We need help. We need to consistently talk about it and encourage each other to do it. Christians don't need to be uniquely gifted to evangelize. We we need to be equipped to do it. And and we're all commanded to reach out with the gospel. So it, it, there's so many scriptures. Matthew 20, Mark 1, John 20, Acts 8, Romans 1, Colossians 4, 1 Thessalonians 1, 2 Timothy 4, James 5, 1 Peter 2. They're all scriptures that are calling us to reach the lost. So it's, it's not a matter of ability. It's not a matter of ability or effectiveness. It's actually a command. And listen, the fact that some are more effective than others doesn't mean you aren't supposed to do anything. You follow me on that? The fact that some are more effective than others doesn't mean you aren't supposed to do anything. You may not feel effective when it comes to parenting. That doesn't mean you aren't supposed to do anything. Right? Regardless of how weak you feel in evangelism, you aren't disqualified from doing it. Rico Tice says, and you'll see this in your outline, I think one of the reasons we get spooked by the idea of evangelism is that the devil has played a cunning trick on the church. He's convinced us either that it's something that is not our job or that it's something that should be our job, but we can't do it. He whispers to us, you're not an evangelist. You're not confident, outgoing, or good at answering questions. You don't need to evangelize. You can't evangelize. All right, number two, defining evangelism. Now, most people feel weak and scared when it comes to evangelism. They think God can't use them. Um, I am scared too. And I will tell you, for the last 30 years, I, I've been a Christian in April. It was 30 years that I've been a Christian, thank God. Um, I've been sharing the gospel since I've been a Christian. I'm scared every time I go out to share the gospel. Every single time I've gone to, even just to reach out to somebody and invite them, I'm scared. 
doing evangelism, and, and I have all kind of reasons why not, my mind will just flood me with, oh no, this might not be good, or there's somebody behind you, and they might, you know, they might reject you, or what if, what if they don't, you might do more damage than good, you know. I have like all these things that will try to keep me. And, and I have those fears. What I've learned over the last 30 years is not that evangel- evangelism isn't about doing it so much that you get rid of all your fears. What I've learned is evangelism is more about overcoming those fears and doing it anyway. Mm-hmm. Learning to acknowledge those fears and say, yeah, yeah, there's a, there's a risk. There's a, there's a pain line here. Not saying, oh, no, no, it's, there's no possible risk. Saying, yeah, it's, it's risky, but it's worth it. And overcoming those fears and doing it anyway. And what I found over those 30 years is as you do that, as you learn to overcome those fears, and you step across that line, God meets you, and then and He gives you faith. Um, Romans ten fourteen through fifteen says, "How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in Him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news! So they." They can't. How are they going to call on him on whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in somebody they've never even heard of? They can't. That's the point of that passage. They need us to talk to them. And it's our job. Remember, we have to remember this. It is not our job to save. And this is the definition of evangelism. We simply need to share the gospel in the power of the Holy Spirit and leave the results to God. That's the key. It's it's sharing the gospel. It's it's getting a message out and leaving the results to God. We can't control how they respond. And we can feel like if they respond badly, oh my gosh, we've totally failed. Our job is not to control that response. If you get the message out there somehow, you get this gospel out, that's success. And God will do the rest. And so our job is just as a messenger. We're the messengers. We're those beautiful feet, right? We're the beautiful feet that we're bringing that but we can't the message, but we can't control how they're going to respond to that message. So we share the gospel and then we leave the results to God. Number three, different ways to do evangelism. Um, God wants to use you. And it's important to understand that that you don't have to be someone that you're not. He wants to use you with your gifts and your strengths and your weaknesses and your personality to reach the lost. The key is being yourself. It's being yourself. Authenticity is crucial because people can see when you're trying to be someone you're not. The good news is you don't have to be someone that you're not. God has created you perfectly. And he has designed you to reach out to those who are around you. Evangelism is not going to look the same for everyone. It does not mean you have to turn into an obnoxious door-to-door salesman. No, you have to be who God's made you to be and reach out in those ways. The book of Acts shows how different evangelism can look depending on somebody's background, their training and personality. So for instance, Peter in chapter 2 of Acts, he's very bold and direct. Stephen in chapter 7, he traced the entire storyline of the Bible to Jesus. Philip in chapter 8 did a one-on-one Bible study with the Ethiopian eunuch. Paul in chapter 17 was very intellectual and apologetic in his approach to Athens. And then Aquila and Priscilla in chapter 18, they used this team approach to reach people with the gospel. Okay, so so God, God loves to make 
people that are diverse. He loves to give various gifts and abilities and strengths and weaknesses. So just think think about the different gifts that are listed in the Bible. Administration, giving, encouragement, faith, healing, helping, leadership, mercy, prophecy, serving, teaching, hospitality, and more. God wants to use those gifts, listen, not just for building up the church. He does want to use it for building up the church, but not just for that. He wants to use those gifts to reach unbelievers. He can use your muffins to reach unbelievers. He can use the gift of hospitality to reach out to the lost. So God wants to use how he's made you to reach out to, to people. And, and, and think, think about this. Think about how the gift of healing, think about how powerfully the gift of healing was used in the New Testament for evangelism. It's amazing. I mean, even when Jesus sends them out, preach the gospel and heal the sick. I mean, those signs, those healings were amazing. And we, we've actually seen how God has used the gift of, of prophecy in some amazing ways in our bridge, in our bridge course. So on our bridge course, we actually go away on a retreat and, um, about halfway through that retreat, we have this ministry time where we pray for people. And it's been amazing to see the gift of prophecy as most people, they're not Christians and they're coming to the Lord, a lot of them on that retreat. And there's one story recently where um, a woman on our prophecy team and she was driving up to the retreats in Lancaster County and she had this, um, uh, just this vision of a woman with um, uh, a yellow blouse on. And so that she was supposed to pray for. And so she got in there and there's only one woman that had a yellow blouse on. And so she came up to her. There was an older woman. Her daughter was with her as well. And um, they were praying for her. And um, and the daughter had said the daughter would, you know, was not a Christian. I think the, the mom became a Christian on that retreat. Um, but the daughter was very skeptical. Didn't even stand outside the circle. Her mom was being prayed for. Stood behind her. And she had just said when we started that prayer thing, I don't believe this. God, if you're real, you you have to prove it to me. And so this woman on a prophecy team walked over and said, Can I pray for you? Starts praying for this woman and said, I, I, I don't know what this is, but I, I just see a picture of a box and you keep picking up this box and putting it in your lap. And when you put it in your lap, you just you cry and you you just it just breaks you apart. And the woman um, had lost her husband. And she kept putting all the bills and all the business stuff in in that box. And she would pick it up to try to go through it. And it would just overwhelm her and she would break down into tears. And so as this is being prophesied, she's just weeping. And her daughter behind her is like, what in the world? How in the world did this happen? That this woman came... There's no way. And so she starts to cry and God used that to reveal himself. Mm. It's amazing that God wants to use gifts that we have to reveal the gospel and to speak to people. And God can use all kinds of different gifts. He can use hospitality. He can use mercy. Your gifts of mercy by by going down to the city and serving to reach the gospel. And, and it's not just gifts. Think about your strengths and, and your abilities, even your interests, things that interest you. Uh, we have a friend, um, a good friend, a single guy that lived with us for years. He was just a rock climber. He just loved rock climbing. He used, they should go to these rock gyms. He met, there's a whole community of people. That was 
his outreach, but he also enjoyed it. So he was using things that interested him as outreach. So God can use these things to reach those who don't know Christ. So think about what are your gifts? What are your talents? What interests do you have? What are you interested in? And then how can God use those things in evangelism? In Mark Middleburg's book, Becoming a Contagious Christian, he talks about six different styles of evangelism, which I think are helpful. So he talks about the direct mode. Um, so somebody that's more direct, the intellectual mode, the invitational, somebody that's good at inviting, testimonial, um, relational, and serving. And so you might look at that list and say, oh yeah, there's, you'll probably have one or two that you're stronger at. Um, so, so I would find myself in more of a, I'm strongest in that direct mode. And that's, you're going to find like Eric and Mark are going to be in that. CB's probably in that too. Where you're just these bold guys, you know, like Peter, we told them. They're going to go out. Well, guess what? Not everybody's going to have that mode. Your, your mode might be serving. Let's say that you're really handy. You're good with your hands. You use carpentry skills. You, your neighbor needs, hey, I, I can help you that. Oh, you need help building that deck or what? Oh, yeah, I can do that. And you can use that. That might be your best. That's your strength. That's your gift. Now, in a sense, we all need to have all these in our belt to some degree. Like sometimes you're on an airplane or a relative's dying, you need to be direct. We all need to be intellectual and give an answer. We need to be inviting people and we all have a testimony. We all should be building these relationships and we should serve people, right? So we all should have, but you're going to have one or two that you favor. Focus on that first. Go there first. Play to your strength. If this is what you do well, do it. Then do it for the glory of God and seek to use it to reach the lost. Number four, some opportunities and ideas for sovereign grace. Um, so letter A there, take the gospel out first. And we started talking about that, that since there's such a growing indifference to the church, the question we have to ask ourselves is how do we take the gospel to them? What are, what are some ways that we can go where non-Christians are and get on their turf so to speak. How do we take the gospel out into the community? And there's a lot of ways to do this. So uh, joining a gym, joining a, a club or a group, serving on a committee, coaching. Uh, for me, that has been my main way of being in the community is coaching my kids through all their sports. It connects me with all kinds of kids and families and We've had people over and, you know, and, and other coaches and schools and those sort of things that have, have, have been helpful. Um, volunteering in some way. These are all ways of, of getting out in that community, um, and connecting in those communities. Um, and they give us the context to really build those relationships. Probably the best, one of the best places to start is, is in our workplaces as well. And I think it's really untapped. We are surrounded by coworkers um, that need the gospel. And it's such a great opportunity because you're living before them. And that's a great thing. You could take initiative to just start like a, a you know, lunch on Fridays. Hey, you want to go out to lunch or grab people together? Thinking through how to, taking the toughest job at work and, and being that. And, and also, I think even with our neighbors as well, just reaching out to them, inviting them over for some watermelon or connecting with them. Uh, in some ways and but then how do we get the gospel out to folks and there's 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 different ways that we can do that um so one is i think just through conversation but one of the things i found really helpful as well are books giving people books 
um, or giving them something this how good are you booklet or just giving them a book to read say hey I was thinking about you I thought this might be helpful and sometimes that's a great way for, to get people kind of thinking about things we started this thing called bridge in a box um, so we have our bridge course and we have this bridge in a box which is basically everything you need to run the bridge course we put the bridge on videos I don't know how many years ago it is now I think it's 10 or 11 years ago because what I was thinking was we have to find ways of taking this out. Like we, we can't assume that people are just going to come to our bridge course. And so it's been really neat to see how God has used it. Um, and we just say to people, listen, maybe you just have one person, a neighbor or, or two people, um, or maybe a coworker at lunchtime to just pop in this DVD or, or, you know, it's all online, just show this video and, and watch it. We have a couple that recently uh, came to Christ uh, through our bridge course, probably about two years ago now. The wife came first. The husband was very uh, antagonistic toward it, and she finally got him to come. He came to our bridge, and, and God saved him. And, and there is this great couple, but they live in New Jersey, so they, they've just had trouble getting people to come. And so I said, well, what if you guys started a bridge course at your home? They're like, that's a great idea. So they came, they were helpers on the one bridge course, we trained them, and they just started this past, it was in, it was in, um, the spring, it was in April, so they started this course in April, they had 10 people in their living room on Saturday mornings at 9 in the morning, I'm like, oh my, 10 people, and they just went through, and they're, and I was telling, it was so sweet, I was telling Victoria's her name, um, and they're a young couple, I have young kids, and, um, and God saved him out, he was an alcoholic, it's just an amazing story, and, uh, I said, now, you know, one of the things, the biggest mistakes that leaders makes is they, they talk too much. And so we really want to just draw them out. And they're in a train. She goes, oh, don't worry. We don't know the answers to the questions, so we can't really talk that much. I'm like, you are perfect. I, I just, I, you know, these are baby, they don't know any better. And they don't even know enough to be afraid. <laughs> we, we have Christians have been forever that, you know, have probably haven't shared the gospel in decades. These are baby Christians that have 10 people in our living room. They're coming back to me every day every single week with their questions. Ima, hey, somebody asked me about this. Can you, you know, I'm like, this is just, you know, this is just awesome. Um, so that's been a great resource to, to try to, to get out there or something like an evangelistic Bible study or other things that we can do. Uh, letter B, reach out across social and racial lines. Now this, this I want to share because I think this is really important. Um, I read something recently that said this. It said that people who are um, of different ethnicities are much more open to the gospel than people who are white, okay, or Caucasian. People who are in the cities are much more open to the gospel than people who are in the suburbs. People who are poor are much more open to the gospel. It was this was like if you make less than 50, less than fifty thousand. So if you make less than fifty thousand, much more open to the gospel than people who are making more money than that. And I don't know why. I mean, it, it shouldn't shock us in some ways, right? I mean, Jesus already told us that it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. But I don't know why. But it just dawned on me because I think well, well this is what I thought, and I talked to the Sovereign Grace pastors. Where do we plant our, what are churches? Our churches are primarily white, middle class, suburban churches. Mm -hmm. And we're having trouble reaching people with the gospel. And you know what? I told these sovereign grace pastors, the challenge with that 
is that what happens with our churches is that we tend to attract Christians. We grow through transfer growth, not conversion growth. And you see that a lot in churches. They're getting, oh, do I like these programs? Oh, oh, they have a nice building. Oh, what are they have for the kids? And, and you've got people bouncing around instead of the church being mobilized and reaching out and bringing people. We do, um, and Eric was such a big part of this. I always, it's just going to be so much joy to see this, brother. Just, just love you guys. I love you guys so much. Um, cause we just labor together. You know, it's like, he's just like a fellow word. So a lot of what we did, these servant evangelism, servant outreaches, we do this. So we do this thing called second Sunday. We do these outreaches. Well, we're in Glen Mills. Have you guys ever seen our building? Do you guys know where we are in Glen Mills? So Glen Mills is high end all around. There's these three car garages, all this shopping stuff. And, people. and, and I am desperately, you know, trying to reach out to these people and they don't care. They don't. They don't. They don't need your car, stinking car wash. They don't. They, they don't want you touching their Mercedes Benz or their Volvo. They don't care about getting free bottled water. They already have their own Evian water or whatever. They. They. They don't. They don't need you. Or we give. We deliver bread or whatever, and like we can't get through their security system. They don't care. They don't care about this. So you know what? This. This affected me so much. I said, "All right." This was very recently. I was like, "Okay, God, you're going to build your church through poor." And through different ethnicities, I'm all in on it. Let's go. And I completely shifted our focus away. So, so we start. I'll give you two stories. We started this. Um, we found this this um, this recovery house called Gaudenzia. It's really close to where I live. Quick story on it. I was um, I was going to cut wood, right? And I borrowed a truck and a chainsaw, and I always cut wood right above my house. This park called Oakbourne Park. And so I was going to cut wood there. I have to go. I get a permit. I live in the township, and they used to open the gate and let me come through. Well, I'd call, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. We can't do that, and, and uh, we don't let people do it. I'm like, sure, sure you do. I, I, do it, I did it a couple of years ago. I was, oh, sorry, we have too many permits out. I'm like, um, I take a walk there every day, and nobody's cutting any trees down. Like, I'm being this real pest. And then I actually go over to the township building and say, like, listen, I'm just looking to cut some wood and find a supervisor. So, you know, no, uh, we, you can't do it. I'm like, what in the world? And I had to cut wood. So I go out in my truck. I pray. I'm like, Lord, please help me. I start driving around construction site. No, that wood's taken. And I drive back in this place called Gaudenzia. Okay, this is this is about a year ago. Drive back into Gaudenzia. Drive around. I see this tree that's fallen over. And I'm like, oh, well, that's perfect. Go in there. Start talking to them. There's a guy there, one of the residents in the rehab. It's a, it's about a, it's a 90-day rehab. I just start talking to him, start talking to him about the gospel. The supervisor comes in or one of the, one of the staff workers and says, Hey, this guy's really easy to talk to. I said, thanks. Hey, do you guys have like a program here? Do you guys do? No, no, we don't do anything. I said, Oh, well, can I talk to your, your, the manager? And so I went and cut the tree. She came back later. I talked to her and said, Hey, could we, um, you know, maybe on like second Sundays, could we come up and like do a little service? Sure. She's like, sure. And so we started coming up there and doing that. And then we expanded that to, to twice a month, and I said, "Hey, could could we bring people to church? And uh, if we kind of bust them, to the sure." And so we started to bring people um, to church, and then and then on Wednesday they had some going on that canceled, and I and I said, "They're like, we don't have anything on Wednesday." I said, "Hey, could we do a bridge course there? Our bridge course there has been unbelievable. We get like thirty people out at once. We did a bridge retreat there." They have about 60 beds. We had over 50 people 
at our bridge retreat. People have been coming to Christ and getting saved and coming to church and moving back in the area. The whole second row of our of our church is filled with people from going down to get one week we bring guys, then girls, then guys, then girls. And it's just been it's just been unbelievable. And I have been in these situations. I was telling this one kid, he uh he was twenty three years old, he'd just been in jail for four years. He had he was on drugs and somebody had raped his his friend and so he went and beat this guy to a pulp. The guy is now a vegetable. He didn't die, but he almost did. This kid is in jail for four years. He wanders into our little chapel thing at Gaudenzia, and he goes, hey, they told me something was going on over here, but I'm not religious at all. I don't know if I really belong in here. And I, I said, yeah, yes, you do. And so I said, sit down. You're, and so this guy sits there. I'm in there preaching the gospel, and, and, and this kid comes up to me afterwards and says, do you think we could pray for the guy that I... And I beat up and I said, listen, I said, yes, we can. But I want you to understand something. If you were perfect from here on out the rest of your life and you did a million good works, you will never erase what you've done to that guy. But I know someone who can. And this guy's like weeping in front of me. I'm like, this guy is here in the gospel. These people, like every week when I'm in Gaudenzia or whenever I'm there, like they are so hungry to hear this good news and then we started god how to stumble on uh you know nice job god with the cutting the wood thing i'm fighting him all the way on that god's like we shut up and just get over here but then, <laughs> that's another story that's god's honesty but um we started um the bridge course in this um place called lutheran knolls it's about 10 minutes from our church see you can find out you guys probably know where it is it's down near you guys in china it's called lutheran knolls it's a it's a a um a retirement community, a low-income retirement community. There's like 300 units in there. And somebody who came through Bridge works there, and somehow we got in there. And so these people um, don't have a lot of money. I mean, some of them are living uh, on you know peanut butter for the last week of the month. And so we came in there and started doing the Bridge and did lunch for these people. It was un- – it's unbelievable. These – like people, these ladies in the very first thing, they said, we had never heard, we had no idea that salvation was a gift. We had never heard that. One of the guys, one of the guys asked the question, he was like week two, and the leader said, oh, well, we'll probably get that the week, we, we'll talk about that in week seven. And the old guy said, listen, mister, I don't know if I'm going to be around when it gets to week seven. I need to know the answer to this right now. And, and just people, people's lives, that are transformed, they're so open. You're having different ethnicities, poor. And I'm like, okay, that, that's why I love what you guys are doing uh, with this Good News Club. Amen. And Amen. remember, right, the good news, and i got to get this right, you're at 16th and Hawk. Yes. Remember 16th and Hawk, and who was sharing? John's wife. 16th and Hawk, what are they saying? Oh my goodness, we love you guys. Come, come, come. And then went to the suburb. What was the cross from John's house, that church? I mean, that school, right? What was it? And what did they say? Get the heck out of here. We don't want you. We have have nothing to do with you. Do you see that? Like you're pounding to try to get this guy. And then over here, 16th, and Hulk is saying, we, you you guys can do whatever you want. So we need to think about this when it comes to reaching the lost. And I think we need to think about the poor and different ethnicities specifically, because I believe God's going to build His church this way. Um, 
So just be strategic. Now, it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to reach your neighbor or your coworker. You do. And God will open their hearts and do the same thing for us. But just as we're thinking about this, let's keep those things in mind and think, who are the poor around me? Who are the poor that I know? Who are the people of different ethnicities? They're much more open. They haven't been raised in our liberal. They're not going to our liberal colleges, getting all indoctrinated. They're, they're, they're open to these kinds of things. So just think about that as, as you're doing that. Let her see care for those in need. And you guys are doing, this is where I think mercy ministry. So what you're doing in this good news club, talk about that. So we have covenant mercies. Are you guys are involved in covenant mercies as well? You guys have covenant mercies. Talking about that caring for orphans and what is, when you talk about that, like in church and announcement or those things come up, people say, wow, this church is doing, so when you did that announcement, um, two weeks, that was great because people, if there's unbelievers, they're saying, oh my goodness, these people are in the, that, that the younger generations want to see that. They want to see us making a difference. Do not be afraid. I just tell people, yeah, you know what? Our church is a ministry to orphans. Uh, and what is we started this? We have over, you know, 1,300 orphans that are in this program. You have what? Even in Bridge, I talk about because people, so, so, so that's, uh, showcase that to some degree. Not to brag about it, but it will demonstrate to people that you care about those in need. And then, letter D, call your people to the dangerous task of evangelism. Um, this is important even you know we've talked about this um i'm just sorry i'm just looking at his notes to see if i can um as leaders it's you, i i want to urge you to take these small steps take these steps have coffee try to get in these relationships how many people in your home those kind of things are so huge i want to encourage you to do that and then i want you to encourage the people that you are leading okay you don't have to be an expert. You can say to your group, listen, I stink at this. I'm not good at this. I have not done a good job. I, I want to grow. I want to learn how to do this. This is hard. I don't have time. I don't know how to fit this in my schedule. I'm scared. I know it's going to be messy. I don't know what to do about that. I don't like pain. But let's do this, guys. Let's work on this. Let's talk about this. Let's make this a topic. And then as you begin to take tiny little baby steps, tell your group about that. Don't, oh, I don't want to be proud. Okay, fine. Don't be proud. But tell them, say, hey, we were able. I actually, you know, went to lunch with my coworker. We didn't even talk about the gospel or anything, but I went to lunch with him and we started building a relationship. And I'm, I'm like excited. I'm praying like crazy. That's great. You be, as a leader, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be the best. You need to be a little tiny step ahead of people and you need to say, I'm going to try to do this. Let, let's do it together. Or, even if other people are ahead of you, you can use them to say, hey, let's let's talk about this. Especially in community group, one of the most important things I think you can do is just have conversation. About, even if you just take 10 minutes, okay, before we're going to talk about whatever, parenting or whatever, we're going to talk about our marriages. But let's just take 10 minutes. Has anybody had an opportunity to reach out, connect with somebody? Not even did somebody get saved. Connect or reach out with somebody or get into kind of a gospel conversation. Anybody have that? If you do that, listen, I promise you, if you do that once a month, there will be people that are like scared. That's oh no, I didn't do that. And you know, okay, that Eric's going to share and Mark, and then I'm just going to sit back here and, and just that. Yeah, I got Eric in my community. Okay, Eric. No, it's not going to work. So we're going to get. They're going to get through that. But if you keep talking about that, and and it's just Eric sharing every time, somebody's going to say this. Man, me, 
I guess I need to do something. Somebody else has to. Or, or I haven't shared anything in the last six months. I, I need help with this. Or I need, it's, it, you're, what you're saying is this. This is, this is part of the Christian life. It doesn't need to take over. It just needs a seat at the table. It doesn't need to take over community group. But just give it a seat at the table. Just say, and say, hey, did anybody have a chance to do this? And, and then celebrate with them. And let that, let that, that little thing. If I can say one thing for you to be an evangelistic church, just talk about it in community group once every couple months or, and take 10 minutes and go around and say, hey, did anybody, and see what that does because you'll be saying to people, this is what it means to be a Christian and we need to help each other with that, okay? So, um, and then letter E, cultivate a culture of invitation. Um, one of the things, um, let me just say one thing real quick about this. Is um, party? What's that? Party? Party? <laughs> no. Oh, a party invitation. No. Um, I just read this statistic. Um, well, remember I said that, that uh, some of the younger generations they really value mentoring and one-on-one, and there's real opportunities. That's why again that coffee or connecting and those sort of things they value that those kind of like uh, making just one-on-one connections. Um, but they, they, they lack friendship. They're very, very lonely. I just read a statistic that said 23% of um, millennials uh, and Gen Z, they have no close friends. 23% would say they have no close friends. Okay, So there's, there's, there's a real gap here. And I think we need to be inviting people. This is, this is kind of the crazy thing. People are much more open to invitations than we would ever think because they're lonely and they're looking for communion. They don't have it. All the social media and Facebook and stuff has left them feeling very empty and not really connected. So they might, here's, here's the thing, on social media and these things, they're going to present as hostile and antagonistic and they're going to like all the wrong things and be, you know, really you know, kind of coming against Christianity and retweeting and all that kind of stuff. So that's going to be their their kind of public presence. Personally and individually, they're hurting terribly. And if you show concern and care to them and you reach out and listen and say, oh, I would love to have you come to my home and grab things. My family's coming over. Or, I would love to have you come to my church. And they, they, they would never, ever, ever want to tell somebody or be like super like, oh, I Because they have to have this persona that they line up with everything that they're supposed to line up with. Mm-hmm. But personally, they're hurting. So I'm telling this because they're much more open to church than you think. They could never say they were. But if you talk to them and reach out one-on-one, they want that community. And so there's real opportunity. And that's why if you start out with your coffee, coffee, dinner, you're building that. And then you introduce other friendships and you have your community group social and you invite them and then they come into this. So there's a bridge course that you're doing with them. And then they're going to be much more open to that community. But they are very lonely. That's so we need to kind of think through that. Um, and then let's just jump down. To, is it? Do you have a letter G there? Make evangelism a lifestyle so so we've talked about this um we've talked about this some i think um let me let me just share one thing i i think oh i have too much to share 
Um, let me just share one thing I think is really important, and then we'll, we'll go questions. Um, one of the greatest challenges I've seen in sovereign race churches, and I've traveled to lots of them and helped them. I'm not an expert, but I, you know, my observation is one of the biggest challenges that we have is what I call insulation and isolation. We have insulated ourselves from nine Christians and then also isolated ourselves. Now, I don't know about this church. Our church, you know, um, we have a, we had and still have a strong homeschool presence. We used to be much more, um, more homeschool. Our church has been so diverse through outreach groups. I mean, we just have so many different kinds of people. The homeschool culture is, is definitely not the dominant culture, but it's still there. It was, it was more prominent. One of the things, and, and I've homeschooled our kids have done various things, but mainly homeschool. My wife still homeschools our girls or they're in a co-op. And so, so we, I, I value that greatly. One of the great challenges of that is by design, homeschooling insulates and isolates you. Mm-hmm. But you're kind of trying to do that for good reasons too. Um, what it can tend to do is insulate and isolate you and cut you off from the rest of the world. And it can demonize the world to the point that they're the enemy. We can never view them that They're trapped by the enemy. They are not the enemy. Even if they hate you in the hospital, they are trapped by the That's great, Jim. That's huge. They are not the enemy. They're trapped by the enemy. So they're never your enemy. Our real enemy is, is Satan. It's the devil. It's our flesh. It's not unbelievers. They're never the enemy. So, so our culture, and again, and the homeschool. I, I'm for, I'm pro. I'm, I'm homeschool dad principal, which really means nothing. But um, <laughs> so you know that, right? So, and yeah. you guys have a homeschool background. You understand what I'm saying, right? Does that apply here to the church? Okay. So, so that insulation, isolation, hurts us because it pulls us out of community. The last vestige of community. It used to be the church. So community in town centered around the church. And, it, and then it started to center around schools. Now it doesn't center around church. The last vestige of community is schools. Okay, So we pull ourselves out of that for good reasons. I'm behind that. But it means we need to work harder to be connected to the community. Not less. We need to be more intentional about being our community because we've intentionally pulled ourselves out. And so, so this insulation and isolation has has hurt us. And again, those two worlds coming together have hurt us. So let me just let me just close with this. And, and I, I I wanted to share about Jesus and Zacchaeus. If you get a chance to read that in Luke nineteen, where Jesus stops, it's it's just such this beautiful picture where he's coming into Jericho. It's that whole story of blind Bartimaeus and and Bartimaeus is screaming at him, Son of David, have mercy. And the crowd is trying to shut him up. He doesn't have time for you. And we're headed to Jerusalem. We're going to make Jesus king. And they're shutting him up. Shut up, guy. And, and, and I love this picture. It just says one of my favorite verses. It says, Jesus, stop. He just he stopped. They're banging him. They're all behind him trying to get him down. And called him to come. And then he comes in, right, to Jericho. And, and he's walking with this huge crowd trying to get him to Jerusalem to make him king. And there's Zacchaeus in this tree. And Jesus stops. Mm-hmm. And calls him to come down. It's just such a beautiful picture. Everyone hated this guy. He would have been the most hated. He wasn't just a tax collector. He was a chief tax collector. He would have been the chief hated guy. And so, and Jesus stops in front of this tree. 
any cosmic company on it, and then he goes, it's just this, it's just this incredible, and, and it convicts me, you know why? Because I don't like to stop. I'm a very fast mover. I got things to do. I think I'm moving, I'm, I run people over. I go too fast. I'm running my way through, but I try not to. And everything, and I got plans, and I'm scheduled, I don't have time for that. And I'm, so, and then it's like, well, Jesus had time. If anyone ever had an excuse for being preoccupied, he, I mean, he's six miles from Jerusalem, he's going to the cross. If anyone ever in the history of the world has an excuse to not stop, it's Jesus at that moment. And he stops. This is what he does. And it convicts me because I don't stop. I don't have for this. Maybe too much church stuff going on. I don't have for this. So I shared this message years ago, and this woman wrote me this testimony. And she said this, and I'll close with this. I grew up in a house with six sisters and a brother. We didn't go to church or have any religious background. We were, for the most part, left to ourselves to find our way in life. So the direction we took was toward worldly pursuits. And I want to see if you relate to this. If, if Tell me if the, your church or if you can connect with this. Early in my 20s, God graciously called my name and gave me ears to hear and a heart to respond to the gospel. Sadly, that has not been the case for the rest of my siblings. Early on as a Christian, I was somewhat outspoken but immature, and when my family rejected or ridiculed my newfound faith, I became quiet and didn't pursue them any further. As marriage and children came, this became even more the case, except for an occasional tract in a Christmas card. So you put the tract in the Christmas card. Fast forward now to the present. Both my parents have died along with my oldest sister. My remaining sisters, in an effort to keep the rest of us close, initiated a sister's weekend. A time for only the girls to get away and have fun together. Now, their idea of fun is far different than mine, and I determined with the full backing of Paul, that's her husband, that I couldn't participate. So they went without me. The next year, they began planning for the next getaway and earnestly asked me to go with them. Topping the list of possible destinations were Vegas and Atlantic City. Paul and I just had visions of a weekend-long party, so again, I declined. However, just after this happened, Jim Donahue came and gave the message of Jesus and Zacchaeus. As he spoke about our need to enter into unbelievers' worlds instead of trying to bring them to ours and how it could get messy at times, my heart began pounding. I knew he was talking to me about my sisters and I was convicted about my efforts to separate myself and my children from their lifestyles. I sat there and thought, but he doesn't know my sisters. Surely he wouldn't send his wife away with them. <laughs> oh, yes, I would. <laughs> After the message, I talked with Jim about it. His response was a hearty, you need to go. After discussing this with Paul, we agreed that within certain with certain boundaries in place, I should pursue going. So I went back to my sisters to tell them I wanted to go with them. They were thrilled that I had changed my mind, and they worked with me to find an acceptable location. In November, the six of us spent a weekend away as sisters in Virginia Beach, playing board games, taking walks, and sharing meals together. We laughed a lot. It did get a little messy, but God was there and gave me courage and peace. I didn't share the gospel, but I enjoyed being with them, learning to love and accept them as, as they are. I can say, and this is so humble, listen to this, this is very humble and insightful by her. I can see now that I have judged them in my heart and assumed they would never change. How could I think that the God who reached me in my sin cannot also reach my family? How could they hear the gospel or see its effects if I separated myself? I wonder at times, and this is, I love this, I wonder at times if God had not orchestrated this weekend to change me, not to reach them. Maybe both. 
Hopefully over time, as I learn to unconditionally love them, they also will develop ears to hear and a heart to respond to a God who would give his only son for their sins. When we gathered over the holidays, I noticed a softening and a respect from them that had not been evident before. Going on Sisters Weekend was a step toward building a bridge to them to continue reaching them with the gospel. I am grateful that God did not allow me to stay in my safe, comfortable Christian nest, but pushed me out into a messy world where I had to depend solely on him for my peace and comfort and where I hope someday to make a difference in the lives of those around me. Let's pray. Amen. God, I pray that you would make that story true in our lives. I pray, God, that you would push us out of our comfortable Christian nest, push us out into this messy world. Give us boldness, God. Give us the the desire. Help, help us to overcome our fears. That's what we need, Lord. And you do that by your spirit. Lord, we see that all throughout the book of Acts. Your spirit comes and gives boldness to overcome fear. You don't take away fear. You don't take away the persecution. You come and overcome that fear through the spirit and give boldness. And so I just pray that you'd help us. I pray... All the neighbors that you've laid on our hearts, there are neighbors here that people are thinking of and, and co-workers, Lord, and family members. God, would you go before us and would you help us to reach them? And would you help us to share the good news of the gospel? So please do this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I do want to take Q and A though too. I didn't. I yeah. did I leave a couple minutes. Yeah. Is that all right? Yeah. Any any questions yeah. you guys have before we uh, close I'm, down? I'm talking too much, and I want to make sure I get to these questions. One one thing I think you. I don't know if you skipped over it on purpose, but mm. F, you use digital marketing? Yeah. I don't know if there's anything. That was just stuff I was talking I've done this, uh, some of this for pastors, so I did, I talked to CB and John about this. We, uh, we've had a lot of success with digital marketing. It's just the way that people get information. So there's just a company that we use, and they, they've been amazing, like with these search engine optimizations and helping to put your your messages out on Facebook and social media and these things. It's been amazing the kind of responses we've gotten, uh, even to things like our bridge course. We're pumping a lot of stuff out there, and it's, you know, again, this is how people get their information, and people are lonely. And so it's it's been really cool, and you get to track demographics, and you kind of target things. And so we've kind of shifted, even with some of our physical invitations, I and mean, we still have those, but um, like to our barbecues and stuff, we have those, but but putting more toward that digital kind of marketing. So it's been it's been real helpful for us. Yeah, great question. Good. Other questions? Thought? Did that story connect to? Was that where? You guys can relate to that because so, we certainly we certainly can. But yeah, other questions or comments? Comments? Yeah. Well, I thought so. Mm-hmm. In my head, about not about evangelism, about this approach, and uh, it's it's like it's not new. It's right. Not new. The Salvation Army's been doing it for a long time. Yeah, but. We used to do it in Covenant, go down to Chester. And yeah. Then there was even a church plant in Chester. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if you're doing it as a church, you need to totally support that. I mean, yeah. 
there's not buying in this business that's, we're talking about. Right, that's exactly right. Yeah. So, so it's I, what Don was saying earlier, I think God is, just I'm not thinking, I know God that is totally in control of the outcome of who we talk yeah, to. Yeah. And you're saying being more bold is, Yeah. It's all good stuff. I yeah. Mean, I believe it. I like what you said. Uh, it's just, it, it's been done before. Yeah. Well, and it's the power of the gospel. I mean, it's it's the gospel that saves. Donna's exactly right, because if the gospel is the power of God to save, our goal is to get this message out. So no matter what we do, our reliance is on that gospel. So we can never minimize the proclaiming of that message. That's what saves people. And that's what has the power. These other things might help us set up the gospel, but it's 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 the power of God that saves and so, like Thomas, I agree with her 100%. It's getting that out. How do we get that message to others? Um, and I pray, and God's going to do that. God's going to use that. And that's what he's used all the way back in the book of Acts. And he's, and one, the, the one thing that uh, I know, and I don't see so good at it, but we had some friends over. And uh, you, you give them coffee, you talk to them, yeah, you invite them again, you yeah, invite them yeah, again, and then... Yeah. You know, Conversation starts getting serious, and maybe bang, boom, mm-hmm. you know. And her approach was kind of neat. She says, "Listen, I listen to what you're passionate about. Yeah, just give me a chance to tell yeah. you what I'm passionate. Yeah, about. good. And that's it's just like that's great. It's, I mean, that when she told me that when she did that, I'm not, I'm not trying to build it up. But yeah, when you talk about questions, you gotta be yeah. really serious. Yeah, and yes." That's great. Yeah, you guys are such an example, Mom and Dad, of reaching out to your neighbors yeah. along the way. My mom goes swimming with her neighbor across the street throughout the summer, and just a great yeah. relationship rapport. And it reminds me, uh, and you guys were just talking about this, so, uh, there was this quote that just said, it'll always be the simple gospel message that will save people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so after you talk all the, yeah. you know, yes. the cultural analysis is good, yeah. generation to generation, but if we do this in yeah. 25 years, it'll be a different story. Different trends, different right. things. Those will go yes. up and down, and you know, uh, post-modernity transforms into yeah. post-Christian, and like yes. you see it evolve and change. But yeah. you know, it, to one degree, you know, one generation passes after another, but the Word of God, you know, remains the same. same. And, and there's always that, you know, for us, we, we it's good to know your culture really well, but not to let it psych us out. Yeah from just always presenting the simple That's gospel the message to save. As like Jim said, it's the power of God and the salvation. And so to really take heart in that. And that was something else Jim said that was so good was that talking about the muffin makers kind of disqualifying themselves or silent ones. I, in my experience, I don't know if it's been for you, Jim, but some the muffin makers are the most effective yeah. in evangelism. Yeah. In my, yeah, I, I, sure. I, I call them the silent assassins. I mean, yeah. the, the, the quiet, yeah. shy... Yes. Woman in our church is just taking people out left and right, and they're getting saved. And like, oh, yes. <laughs> you know, and so I think sometimes their personalities uh, don't confront right. as strongly. You know, maybe like right. yours yeah. or mine would, and they feel a little more mm-hmm. open. And mm-hmm. and so, please do not ever disqualify yourself no. because you're looking at somebody like a gym and like, man, I can't do that. No, it's it's. You being you, yes. exactly as who you are, and yes. just caring for people. If you care for people, genuinely, yeah, if you, if you people, really love people like Jesus did, 
it doesn't matter how old you are, reaching to a yeah. younger person or crossing generation gap, mm-hmm. cultural gap, ethnicity gap. Yeah. You're going to have an yeah. opportunity. And, and when you tell people just about Jesus and his dying world for them, you I mean, know, yeah. and they see the genuineness exactly. of that in your heart and how he's touched you. I mean, evangelism is so yeah. powerful. It you know? is. Evangelism is just loving people. Yeah. It's, one of, it, it's the greatest way you can love someone is to share the gospel with them. That's the that's the if you love someone, you can't withhold this message. So it really is just about loving someone, and that requires some boldness and risk and those sort of and care. So yeah, Eric. Uh, yeah, there's just so much there. It's uh, good. Um, Amen. And also just to, to encourage what, what God is doing down in your area. Just those testimonies of what's happening is encouraging. Mm-hmm. It encourages us. And it goes along with what Stephen was just saying about. Are different traits, and I was encouraged and convicted that yes, I, I might be more direct, but mm-hmm. you know what? I've gotten away from the neighbor thing. I haven't yeah. really gotten involved yeah. in that. You know, and I've got to sit back from the work thing a little bit. Yeah. And so, and hearing people, yeah, that's I good. think that's why it's good in care group. Hearing people that even I, I'm convicted, I might be on the street on, on Saturday, but yeah. I'm not doing your neighbor. Yeah. I need, to do, I need to be doing that. Yeah. Great, and that's. Yeah. You know, so I think yeah. that's just encouraging, just showing that yeah. and being able to, to talk among ourselves in yeah. a care group. You know, yeah. That's good. You know, that's excellent. But yeah, just so much good stuff. Oh, good. Thank you. Jim, one thing that John and I had lunch with him uh, like a couple weeks ago after church, Jim just encouraged uh, letter writing to family members. Like, if you have a hard time sharing with a family member who's an unbeliever, mm-hmm. sometimes writing a letter yeah. in Jim's experience, and I found this too, it allows you just to really express your heart. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't look at that as a negative if you write a letter to a family member who's even in another state or something. You just reach out and just send them a letter, expressions of love, but also yeah. appeals. To repent, believe, and trust in Christ, your burden for them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes then, when you get together with them over Thanksgiving or a holiday or something like that, like like yeah. you were saying, there's this warmth of like, man, she yeah. really cares for me, or he really cares yeah. for me, and it can actually be the fire store yes. for a follow up yes. conversation. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, so, good. but yeah, yeah it's yeah. alpha abandoned. I mean, like that. No, 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 no. Alpha's still going strong. Yeah. yeah. So that it's not as strong as it was like in the nineties and the OOs there where it was really strong, but it's still going on. Yeah. I, I'm on the alpha website a bunch and, you know, and, uh, yeah, no, they still have, they still have stuff going on there and they're, Nikki's still doing it. They added different things and stuff. So yeah, they're, they're great. Those guys are heroes to us. And, yeah, so. And, and Bridge Course Gym's a, it's a, it's a high ball for Valpha yeah. and Christianity Sports. Taking some of the best of all yeah. that and making it go yeah. right. And, yeah, and, and so. primarily, I mean, we used Alpha for 10 years. It's just an amazing program. And we just, their methodology was so good. We really just rewrote the messages. Everything else is the same. We just made the messages a little more gospel centered and, you know, focused on scripture. And, you know, we just tightened those methods. And I had changed them anyway, so at one point it's like they bended it too far. We need to do our own thing, so. So yes, yeah, so, oh, but they're doing great. Yeah, good. Reason. Yeah, I was just going to ask if the bridge was similar to Christian Explored. Yeah. I know when they had Christian Explored here, uh, was four, four or five years ago, we had a bunch of family members come with us that weren't saved. It was really great. The course was really, really good. Yeah, I've always had it in my mind like I would love to do this in our home. Be with so like great. a lot of our friends that aren't Christians. Yes, yeah, so um, great in the home. Or even just thinking about like when you're talking about the need. 
you know, in the, the openness in the city or with the poor. Yeah. Like, what, it, what maybe it would be so neat to, like, in the spring or something, have yeah. a Christian explore yeah. for mm-hmm. parents of kids at the youth club. Yeah. And just look up to them, like, or, either our home or maybe even the, the school. Yeah. You know, meet here at night in the gym or something. Down the far yeah. 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 Have, have that, that little bit of relationship with these parents because their kids are coming home and they're saying things. Exactly. And say, hey, what's going on? And yeah, hey, if you're interested, we're going to just yeah, have, have dessert, have and we'll have we'll put the video in. exactly so that, and we have all of it. So, and she, <laughs> I knew you were my hospitality, you <laughs> and you were not until on that, right? Yes, hang out my hospitality people. Um, so, and that's one of the beautiful things about the bridge course too, is you're using all those gifts, I and mean, we have people making meals and hospitality, and people that have all these gifts, and they see that. So. But yeah, the bridge, so, so we also wanted to make one that was, you know, not British or not, yeah. you know, with that sort of thing too. Right. But, um, yeah, so it works great because it's online. So you could just go and click the videos in and watch those and then discussion. We have training and all that stuff. So I was thinking something like that too would be great. Like, it's been great. Like we have, have it happening in schools. We have it happening in colleges. We have it happening in homes. Even just like this one woman, she takes care of an older lady in her 90s. And, and they would log out. So she would log out after she cared for, like, she's officially done. And they'd both sit down on the couch. And then she she wasn't on work time. And they'd start the video. And she would just watch it with her. And then they'd have a discussion together. And it's just, you know, you can do this. It's so flexible. In workplaces, people can do it. Like over, you know, it's half hour message, half hour discussion, you're done. Um, but it would be great to do something like that, especially because you're reaching out to those people down the city or in your home like that. Just It's just great. So, yeah, so if you have it's all online bridge course. We're actually coming up with a new website. I'm super excited. It's going to be launched at the end of this month, um, and then I'll be on a new website. But we've seen so many people. It's, what's amazing is watch these videos and the way people view. So we've been through this um, kind of social media and this, you know, digital marketing. They're just sending out little clips of bridge, like, why is God allowed suffering? Boom, boom. And we are getting, like, tons of views. And what we found is... Many more people are kind of going through the bridge course online than live. And that's kind of how people take on information. But as they start to get that and they say, is Jesus the only way? And they watch that. It, it starts to point them back toward the church and the people and that makes those connections. And they might come or they come to the retreat or those. And we would love to have One of the cool things is we've been, um, if you do the bridge course, we have a retreat in Lancaster. We're in Quarryville. We're in Black Rock Retreat Center in Lancaster. So the Souderton Church is coming. Harrisburg Church uh, has been bringing people to that. And then we have all these little satellites. So uh, the ones that like Luther Knowles and Gaudenzia, people that have in the homes, they'll come to the retreat with us. And it's so cool because we're like, oh, well, we have a group from Souderton. And let's welcome them. And we have this group here. And then they're all together on this retreat. So you guys are maybe, you know, are really close. So you guys could, we'd love to have you guys do that and then jump in and then, they can see, like, oh, this is bigger, you know what I mean? So we'd love to do that. If, we, if I can help you anyway, I'd be thrilled uh, to do it. Thanks, Jim. Yeah, let's be praying about that together. A lot of my ideas are firing, too, as your yeah. stickers with how we might be able to help uh, start something like that up in, in the city in a way that would bless Do people. you have relationships in this area? Like, are there people around this house that go to your church? Yeah, I mean, we have people converge from a, from a, from a pretty yeah. significant distance. Because I think, could you do something here? For this is a great that's where we had the Christianity explored that oh, you were talking about. You had it really here. Well. 
and we might it, we'll have to see the Holy Spirit's leading mm-hmm. for is it right for the timing of that to re-engage that yeah um, sure of course but, uh, now but I'm excited about that yeah and guys uh, thank you so much for yes. your time today and thanks for your heart uh, for being here yeah uh, yes just we really appreciate you taking your Saturday to come it shows your love for Jesus uh, it shows your heart for the lost uh, your, your love for our church and uh, John and I um, are very grateful for all that you guys do, yes. and we love you so much. And uh, right after we get done here, Mark and Eric and John and the crew that goes down to Reading are going to be going down to Reading again to share the gospel, mm-hmm. right? Coming right out of the seminar, putting it into practical use. That might actually be a tool as well with our care groups where we could have our care groups kind of drop in on a specific Saturday to go and uh, go down to Reading with those brothers and sisters and uh, just as a way of just kind of helping to keep this fire burning because one of the burdens, I'm so thankful for John's leadership with our evangelism series we've been in in August. He's done such a great job. Thank you, John. Mm-hmm. Um, is I want you guys to know that it's not just a series in our church, but evangelism, we really do desire it to be a lifestyle that we're all kind of always on the hunt, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're all living that way ourselves together here, it'll be a contagious culture that grows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like the way Jim said that. Not that it dominates care group, um, but that it has a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. It's part of our regular discussions. Like we talk about quiet times and how you're just encountering, yeah. encountering the Holy Spirit and encountering Jesus in your quiet times. Hey, who you reached out to? Who you prayed for that, you're, that, that'll get saved? And, you know, that, that type of thing is so glorifying to God, and, and you guys are already doing that, but I'm excited to see this grow and mm-hmm. become more and more of a, mm-hmm. a mounting momentum through the years, and for it not to wane through the years as well, yeah. um, and for us to pass on to our children and our grandchildren as well. So um, let, me, let me just close in yeah. prayer and ask for uh, God's blessing on Jim. Thank God, thanks for Jim and his heart, and thank you for him and his wife, and thank you for Covenant and our partnership in the gospel with sovereign grace together that we're mm-hmm. a part of together thank you for uh just the opportunity to hear from you today through jim and i pray god that these wouldn't just be good ideas that kind of just kind of just kind of quickly remain uh quickly settle on the heart and kind of fade mm-hmm. but that god build a fire in yes, each one god. of us lord god that would lead to yes. many co-workers Fine. hearing the gospel that wouldn't have heard Mm-hmm. if it wasn't for us going to them. And mm-hmm. Lord, I pray that family members would get written to and that you would move Holy Spirit yes, on all God. of us as mm-hmm. a church family. Of who, who can we reach? And as, as Mom said earlier, how can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can they mm-hmm. hear unless, unless someone is sent to them? And, and that they hear it and they believe it. Lord, I pray that the gospel of your Son Mm-hmm. would be readily on our lips, Lord God, and we would never tire mm-hmm. to tell people about Jesus and how he died yes, on the cross for sinners. Lord, we are uniquely qualified to do that because we are the sinners for whom mm-hmm. we died. Yeah. And so, Lord, we've been forgiven. We we can testify as witnesses because this is a living reality mm-hmm. in us. This isn't just something we're trying to peddle. It's something you've done. Yes. And God, it's a living reality inside of us. And so... Use us as we go forth mm-hmm. and, and fill us, Holy Spirit, with great boldness as a church family. Mm-hmm. And let this be a strength in Christ's yes, and church, mm-hmm. God. Not just now, but even as we head into our future together. Mm-hmm. I pray that many souls in the, in the city would be saved. Many souls in the suburbs all around this area 
would be saved dramatically mm-hmm. and powerfully and that stories and testimonies mm-hmm. would abound. And here we are, Lord, use us and send us. We mm-hmm. pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys Thank so you. much again. Thank you.